Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So (laughs) this is, I guess, the draft edition slash Chris Paul for Jordan Poole episode. I am recording this the day after everything went down because I wanted to see what played out the rest of the day. I mean, I was sitting there (laughs) reading something and then all of a sudden I got all these texts about uh, Jordan Poole getting traded for Chris Paul. And honestly, my reaction was just to, was just to crack up. I was, I was laughing a lot because this season has been, or it was, thankfully it's over, was so absurd that I just wanted something to happen. I've talked about this, like last season was such a slog as a fan as somebody watching every game you just knew that there was something going on and for them to deny this chemistry issue this punch issue all this other stuff and then eventually admit it it's like yeah okay and ever since the season ended even before they admitted all this stuff it was clear to me that you cannot run it back with the same guys right you could not just assume that everybody goes on their you know millionaire vacations (laughs) And comes back and it's like, oh, we good. You know what I mean? That that was not going to happen with Jordan Poole and Draymond Green or any of the other Warriors that, you know, maybe Poole had some issues with during the playoffs, whether there was a rift with Steph, whether it was uh, Steve Kerr just being down on him, whatever. It just wasn't going to happen. And even if there was a chance, maybe it could happen. Why risk it? you know, unless it was a sure thing. So the odds were like, hey, let's move on from this. And it was funny, right? Because Mike Dunleavy, I had said I wanted to see his first presser, which happened on Monday. And I was like, I want to see what kind of dude he is, how he talks to the media, what kind of uh, things he says, and then what kind of moves he makes. And, you know, he was fine during his presser. But the one thing he had said, which caught my ear and a lot of people's ears, was that Jordan Poole, you know, we want to have him here for at least four years, whatever. I mean, what else is he going to say, right? At that point, there was already interest in Chris Paul. Who knows if they had offered Poole to Washington, but maybe they had. And maybe that caused Washington to be like, okay, we'll move Beal. We're going to get Poole, all this other stuff. So... You know, that was the first thing I thought of when I heard uh, about this trade going down. But first and foremost, I just got to say that I think that's a great move for Jordan Poole, I'd said. And just to rehash, I've been saying for, I don't know, like a month, month and a half now that, you know, for him as a player, as an individual, the dude just needs a fresh start, a clean slate, right? Because he's got his contract, right? That just kicks in next season. So he was only making what, 3 million or something plus with the Warriors. And then he starts making 24, 27, whatever it is uh, next year. So the Warriors have never been on the hook for that. And he has his contract. He has a championship ring. And now he gets to go to a team where he will legitimately start. I mean, the dude is going to jack up like 30 shots a night 
You know what I mean? And yeah, we'll see what kind of player he really, really is, right? Over the years, the comps have been uh, CJ McCollum. Uh, maybe he could be like Jordan Clarkson or Jamal Murray. You know what I mean? So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they're going to be bad, but that's their intention. And Poole gets away from Draymond Green, you know? I mean, all that stuff, just to touch on it again, it's like he had this whole experience of, you know, Draymond talking about this punch and acting like he's the victim, right? And Poole doesn't seem like the kind of dude who'll just, you know, forgive and forget. Like he just kind of closed off. And we saw this in clips, in moments where he would ignore Draymond during the playoffs and Steph would have to talk to him and all this other jazz. And, you know, all that enabling of Draymond, I don't want to get into right now uh, because I've talked about that so much in the past, but he gets away from this specter, this cloud of uh, Draymond Green. And he also gets away from Clay Thompson blocking his path to a starting job. You know what I mean? Like, so he has his money, he has his rank, and now he has more or less his own team. Remains to be seen if he becomes the guy on that team, but he'll get every opportunity to find out because his contract, it's not huge. I mean, it's it's a decent contract, of course, but it's not going to uh, you know, handicap a team from uh, doing anything with him. He'll He'll earn that contract, in my opinion, right? But... Now they have four years to see if he belongs on the Wizards for uh, beyond that, right? And even in a couple of years, they can move him because that contract is going to be movable no matter what. But, you know, congrats to Jordan Poole. I got to say, I'm glad he's gone because even though there were times during this past season, like I defend him in this whole thing with uh, Draymond because I just, you know, that still still kind of uh, sticks in my craw that, that Draymond did that and that subsequently he made a documentary. He goes on with Stephen A. Smith and acts like uh, it was something that happened to him, you know, and him talking to Steve Kerr, all that jazz. That's That stuff is honestly a little bit like uh, <laughs> annoying, a little irritating in a lot of ways. But, but when we're looking at... Uh, Jordan Poole, I talked all season long about how aggravating his game was. Didn't play defense, was never held accountable to play defense by Steve Kerr, uh, by Draymond, by anyone else. Maybe Draymond couldn't say anything to him, but, you know, Steph couldn't get him to play defense. Uh, He dribbled off his face, off his leg, off his chest, off his foot, off his ankle. He would fall down all the time. And, yeah, we saw glimpses of when he's under control, when he can pass the ball and whatnot and find other guys and get them going. You know, Jordan Poole could do those things. We could see glimpses where it's like, oh, maybe in the future, maybe he takes that next step, makes a leap next year. But the playoffs might have been just the last straw, at least from a player perspective. The Jordan Poole that we saw last season, last playoffs versus the Nuggets versus the Grizzlies, etc. You know, we didn't get that. And whether it was also him kind of pouting if Steph was, you know, game six after losing game six at home, getting blown out by the Kings, uh, if he made that speech and it was directed at Poole, maybe Kaminga, uh, if 
curve was just down on him completely, then, I mean, the writing was on the wall even more so, right? So not just the chemistry stuff, but also just the really, really just on the court stuff. And then you look at the salary stuff, right? With the new CBA kicking in mostly next season, then, you know, this four-year deal that the Warriors signed pool to at the beginning of the season in the preseason, you know, that was going to, to hurt them. Right. It was going to hurt them just in terms of the length of it and how much money it was. I will say that, you know, I thought signing pool to a deal made sense at the time. And it did because he just gotten punched. He was improving. Right. And uh, what Tyler Hero had signed a deal that was similar. So that kind of set the bar, set the uh, range for him. And you had him under control. Right. You have him as an asset. And honestly, like at 24 million or whatever it is per year for four years, it wasn't going to be a deal that was hard to move. We didn't know that Poole would have such an up and down rough season. Right. This was obviously after he'd gotten slugged by Draymond. But still, the contract was not terrible. Right. Like people can look at Poole and be like, okay, you know. Uh, there's talent there. They they can look at him playing the Nuggets and him having that March of 2022 where he, you know, scored a bunch of threes and played really well, all that other stuff, and say, well, we'll take a flyer on him, right? I always said it was going to be a rebuilding team and the Wizards are, <laughs> they were a bad team and now they are officially a rebuilding team. So uh, I'm glad Poole is gone. Again, you know, not to <laughs> harp on him or just to, you know, talk too negatively, but like I got tired of his game. I got tired of the fact that no one held him accountable. I got the tired of the fact that no one got him to play defense, that he wouldn't do it on his own, that he would make poor decisions, that he would take heat check threes from just inside uh, midcourt, right? I, I was done with that. And all the, honestly... Steph dancing, I'm, I'm used to that. He's earned that and whatever. Pool, all the celebrations, those were all fine until it was like he would get smoked on defense and then come down, hit a, a heat check three and dance and prance. And I was like, dude, come on, like do this, play hard at both ends of the court, right? When the team is not doing well, there's no chance. You should not be dancing and prancing like that as if you are the second coming. And, you know, I think that for him, clean slate. Goodbye. Congratulations. I don't dislike, obviously, uh, Jordan Poole, but I think at least this is the action and the clean break that I was hoping for from the season that just ended. So when it comes to Chris Paul, I was personally surprised, right? I had thought that the move was going to be, a combination, a package of Poole, Kaminga, Picks, Patrick Baldwin Jr., uh, Moses Moody, whatever, any other assets, Rollins, to get somebody else. But we know that with Chris Paul, that his contract has two years. The second year is not guaranteed. So the Warriors can like let him go, <laughs> can get rid of him, and get some tax relief, get under the second apron or whatever and start planning out that way for the future. And that's why, you know, some of these teams aren't getting much 
in return for some of these dudes. It's like teams are trying to angle for next season. And, you know, on the court, you know, people say that Chris Paul is a pick and roll guy and he 100% is. And as soon as <laughs> we traded for him, I was like, Oh man, I wish James Wiseman was still here. I wish we could trade GP two <laughs> for James Wiseman. So when you look at this, this calculus and it's like, Oh, he's a, will he fit in? Will Chris Paul fit in? I mean, think about it. There were times during the season, Steph talked about this where, you know, Jordan Poole played Steph's role, played uh, Clay's role so well in the Warriors offense that it was a little too predictable. There were no other looks that the Warriors could give to teams with second units, right? In the past, they had Sean Livingston, Maurice Spates, uh, David West. They could play a little bit differently uh, when Steph was out, like not a Steph-centric, fully Steph-centric uh, offense when he'd be getting rest on the bench. And with Chris Paul, you know, you'll definitely get that. He's not going to play a huge ton of minutes. Of course, he's going to be, what, 38, 39 in the playoffs uh, if the Warriors get there next season. But with him, you know, he can pick and choose his spots. You'll definitely see Clay sit nights. You'll see Steph sit nights. And let's face it, dudes are going to get injured. Steph gets injured. Chris Paul gets injured. Uh, hopefully, Clay doesn't get injured again. So there's going to be places where he needs to play more minutes. There's going to be times where Chris Paul starts. I mean, I'm assuming he's cool with coming off the bench because somebody's got to come off the bench, right? You're not going to roll out Steph and Chris Paul and Clay and Wiggins. I mean, uh, unless you go small and have Draymond play center and get him beat up all season long. I, I don't see that happening, right? So you're going to roll out the usual starting five and have CP3 come off the bench as uh, a sixth man for the first time in his career, probably in his life, you know, <laughs> before the NBA. So to me, him coming in, being able to uh, control the game, show another team, different looks and hit that mid-ranger right hit that elbow jumper the one that david west used to be able to hit the ones that sean livingston i mean sean livingston usually shot a little bit closer you know in the post turnarounds uh but still he could hit that and it's more guaranteed than jordan Poole, and it's the decision making right this is a play for going all in win now next season and also to lighten the load salary cap wise that's it you know this is not about like okay planning for the future because also you know i mean ryan rollins was in this deal and for what little i saw of rollins and highlights and whatever and just seeing i mean the kid has a good feel for the game but he's he was the obvious one that was going to get jettisoned when you looked at this bench and it's like oh which young guys are you going to are you going to offload right he was obviously the one that clearly, clearly was not going to stick around. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, cool. You know, we'll see how this CP3 thing plays out. Obviously, this is not just uh, Dunleavy's move. And I will say, good on Dunleavy for making something happen. That's what we want to see. Like, I want to see some action, basically. I don't want to see anyone 
uh, play safe or stay in pat. Um, but this is also Steph, Draymond, Steve Kerr. So everyone who loved Jordan Poole and all the dancing and all the heat check shots that personally, I like I said earlier, I'm kind of over. I, got, I was over that stuff uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, the ones who were lamenting Mike Dunleavy and this move and putting it on him. No, all the blame, all the credit should not go to Mike Dunleavy. This is Steph. This is Draymond. This is Steve Kerr, right? I'm not saying Steph was like, go get me Chris Paul, but he was certainly, I mean, Dunleavy said it himself uh, that Steph, that he's in contact with Steph and this is what he wants. This is what he wants. So if this fails, then, hey, this is we, – we always talk about – we mock uh, the Lakers and LeBron being the GM. And I don't think this is to that extent for Steph and Draymond, but even though Draymond's a free agent, he definitely has input in this, or at least his feelings are probably known, especially in terms of him wanting to come back and signing, you know. Uh, but this is part of, you know, these guys looking at their – final few years together and saying, this is what we want. They're flexing. I mean, the Wiseman trade was largely to free up money to make sure that Draymond would have a better chance of coming back. You know what I mean? Yes. There's on court stuff too. And I've talked about this ad nauseum, how like, you know, Wiseman didn't get a fair shake, but it was like, Hey, Wiseman's contract is going to be really, really rough to get around. If you want to keep Draymond in the following couple of seasons. So Steph is flexing, you know, more than he ever had before. And this is part of it. So just remember that. And if it works out and I hope it does, I mean, it could, if, if they stay healthy and they find a big somewhere, then it could definitely work out. And I will applaud the move if it works out. But again, just to, just to reiterate, this is not just Dunleavy plain and, Simple. But yeah, getting rid of uh, Rollins, you know, it's they're righting the wrongs of some of these kind of going in on the youth. And everybody talks about the two timelines and uh, two timelines is over, blah, blah, blah. You know, people start talking about two timelines around the 2021 draft when the Warriors drafted Kaminga and Moody. But guess what? They picked up some vets and those cheap vets, Bielitsa, Gary Payton II, even though Stefan Draymond wanted Avery Bradley instead. Uh, and then also uh, Otto Porter Jr. Those all hit, right? And then the two timelines worked. But the problem was, again, in hindsight, I will say that I was, you know, all for using some of these draft picks. And I thought that the three lotto guys would be more ready and that, you know, the punch, obviously that changed a lot of things, but they went too far in with the youth, right? They went in like <laughs> with Rollins and Patrick Baldwin Jr. So the Warriors are writing those wrongs. What I don't want is for them to go automatically reactionary, like too young, let's go all the way old. And by picking up Chris Paul, they certainly got much older, much smaller, uh, much more injury prone. You know, that's why I hope right, right now, as of today, as of Friday, June 23rd, the Warriors have not traded Moses Moody. They have not traded Jonathan Kaminga. If the Warriors can get out 
of this offseason keeping those guys, especially Kaminga to me, then I'm okay. Let's let's see what happens. You know, the Warriors in the draft, they picked up that dude, uh, Brandon. Uh, I forgot his name. I'm sorry. Uh, let me look it up here. Uh, Brandon Podzenski. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but I'll get it right eventually. And then they also uh, picked up the dude from Indiana uh, in a trade for, well, basically like they included Patrick Baldwin Jr. in the Chris Paul trade and they got the 57th pick and they took Trace Jackson Davis, a senior who averaged 20 and 10 out of Indiana. And he's 6'8", 6'9", kind of Draymond-ish. And I actually like this one. I'm I'm bummed. I really, really liked Patrick Baldwin Jr. I thought that he, you know, next season could give the Warriors something as this stretch big. But the fact of the matter is you look at Patrick Baldwin Jr. and he didn't play a full <laughs> senior year in high school because of an ankle injury. He didn't play a full uh, freshman year because of that same ankle injury his freshman year in college. And he didn't play much last year uh, because Steve Kerr wouldn't play him and et cetera, et cetera. I wouldn't, you know, whatever development year. So he, he just doesn't have enough experience. He doesn't have enough rep. He's still technically a project. And that's not all on Patrick Baldwin Jr. Like I said, a lot of that is on happenstance with injuries and also, you know, the Warriors organization and failure to develop him. But with this uh, Trace Jackson Davis guy, who's Dale Davis's kid, uh, the kid knows how to play. He doesn't shoot it great from outside, but that's what Patrick Baldwin Jr., that was his main strength. But he looks like he knows how to pass. He knows how to play. He could potentially fit in nicely in this Warriors motion offense for now. You know, like I'm hoping he's maybe like one of those guys, like the guys they have on OKC who are just uh, big and athletic and just know how to play. That's what I'm hoping for for him. I was pretty, pretty upset. <laughs> they traded Patrick Baldwin Jr. because I was fine with losing Poole. I was fine with losing Rollins. Um, but I was like, oh, man, the two young dudes I wanted them to keep were uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Patrick Baldwin Jr. I'm fine with even trading Moses Moody, you know? But the way it stands is, you know, the Warriors used those picks. You know, they used their nine, number 19 pick, and they swapped out PBJ for... Uh, TJD, I guess we're going to refer to him as from now on. Also, the fact of the matter is, too, it's like it's a win now move and it's a salary move. PBJ was still a first round pick and he's more expensive than a rookie 57th overall pick. Although they did give uh, uh, TJD, uh, that that just sounds weird. I'm not going to say that right now. Uh, They did give uh, Jackson Davis a three year deal. I believe, which is what they did with Ryan Rollins uh, in last year's draft. But uh, obviously he's, he's gone as well. So will either of these rookies play? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I feel like that pressure to play them, you know, Dunleavy talked about like he doesn't expect it. He's kind of softening that cushion, softening that load. And uh, I actually expect uh, Jackson Davis to play more just because he he's a senior he's i mean he's he's kind of like draymond right played four years at a, a big 10 school 
and has these skills, not a great shooter from the outside, but has these skills. And at least he has more athleticism. So I can see him getting in there uh, maybe as a, uh, as a, as a center, right. Especially in like garbage minutes. So we'll, we'll see if it means there's no, <laughs> there's no more Anthony Lamb out there taking up those minutes. I'm, I'm good with that, but uh, I will be bummed for a while that we lost Patrick Baldwin Jr. Because I, I liked what he could have brought. Uh, but again, you just look at it and it's like, okay, they're trying to stack the deck somehow, some way for next season. Can they do it? Can they? Real quick back to Chris Paul and Jordan Poole. It's funny, right? Because uh, I think Steve Kerr included Jordan Poole <laughs> in his foundational six, right? For the Warriors, it's Draymond, Wiggins, Steph, Clay, Looney, and then Jordan Poole. But at the end of the day, that was before the punch, and Draymond <laughs> literally just punched him out of the foundational six. So I find that terribly um you know, unfortunate. Also, again, before the Warriors title run last season, towards the end of the season, I was like thinking that maybe eventually the Warriors are going to move Wiggins or Poole or Moody, who of course was a rookie at the time. But Wiggins and Poole both showed out in the postseason, uh, Wiggins became super critical. Uh, Pool, you know, he had his moments, but he also, you know, it was a matchup thing for him. He didn't look great against other teams that targeted him on defense and whatnot. And also, he's, you know, he's just not a two-way player. Wiggins is. The thing about Pool is like he had such a small sample size. You know, that was the risk about giving him this contract: the small sample size of consistency, and the fact that he had a full year of him with the punch, regardless of that, that he couldn't just like, and I know it was tough going back from the bench and starting whatever, but that he could never put together a solid, solid stretch uh, of consistent play and, you know, take that, take that leap, make that leap to the next level. So, you know, it became him with Chris Paul. Again, I talked about the change of pace um, and let's be honest. The Warriors have trouble getting to the foul line. And I've always, 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 always talked about how much I hate Chris Paul's game baiting for fouls, right? Him, Trey Young, James Harden, can't stand that type of game. But guess what? <laughs> He's on our team now. So there's a benefit. I mean, it's it's going to be weird to watch that and uh you know whatever i'll i'll get used to it because you just do but um yeah it's gonna be funny and also i've talked about chris paul right the basketball gods for all of chris paul's flopping and arguing and cantankerous demeanor and all this stuff i was like okay the basketball gods will never reward chris paul <laughs> the karma will never uh, go in his way so that he'll win a title, you know, that's, that's, what's going to happen. But here he is. And now I have to root for Chris Paul to win a title. What? Like, that's a strange, strange feeling. And, um, and, you know, Chris Paul seems like a, a, a good enough dude, like fine enough dude off the court, right? He's a, I guess he's a great guy, but like on the court, you know, it's going to be really, really, really strange. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm 
I'm excited just because there's some change taking place. I could not have survived next season watching the same team if they returned the same top eight or nine guys. Plain and simple. Minus DiVincenzo because he'll most likely sign somewhere else and the Warriors are already too small at this point. Yeah. But it's a risk because if, you know, Steph, Clay, Draymond, uh, Chris Paul, if a couple of those guys get injured for a significant amount of time, then, you know, then it might be it might be over. Who knows? And then also we'll see what other kind of moves, right? I don't know which big man the Warriors are targeting. I don't know if they're going to try to just sign somebody on the fringes, which is actually what I assume. I don't think you're going to tr- trade uh, Kaminga, uh, Moody, assets, future picks uh, for anyone in particular. I, I, you know, honestly, like I'm not exactly sure who's out there that is attractive to them at this point. It might just be somebody who can eat up minutes during the regular season and then play spot minutes in in the playoffs, right? Matchups. But I don't know. People are talking about JaVale McGee. I haven't watched JaVale McGee in a long time. <laughs> I know that he hasn't played in a while. <laughs> and does he have enough? I don't know. Maybe. Is there somebody else? Who knows? But the Warriors definitely need to get bigger. And again, as of now, the Warriors have not traded Jonathan Kaminga. But uh, they've moved their picks from last season, Baldwin and Rollins. But they also picked up another young, uh, couple of young dudes. So this youth movement thing, it may not be the classic two timeline thing, right? But they still have some young guys on there. Uh, they need to free up some roster spots to get get some more veteran help, plain and simple. If we can escape this offseason with Kaminga intact, I'll be good. I'll be good. And, you know, just again, touching on the two timeline thing, it worked until it went extreme, but just don't obliterate it for uh, one stretch run. It might be that, you know, Lacob and Dunleavy are like, okay, we're going to give you what you want and we're going to go for this. But then if it doesn't work out, see what happens with Clay, uh, see what happens with Chris Paul and maybe free some things up. Who knows? You know, maybe you sign Clay for a... Uh, for less uh, per year, but a few more years than you probably would want to otherwise. Um, Same thing probably with Draymond this off season, or maybe the writing's on the wall and clay moves on, you know, same thing with CP three. Maybe it's just like, okay, that didn't work. Maybe he gets injured in December and never comes back. You know, that's, that's where all this stuff lies. Uh, It was a wild day and uh i'm I'm looking forward to, to more i just want to see more you know because it as much as after the title last year i was like all right let's let's get some internal development here let's like you know uh find some uh cheap vets let's just run it back and you know the warriors will be better the young guys will be better and the uh, vets are still going to be in their mid to late primes etc that was then this was like we don't want to watch what we just saw. You know what I mean? I, I can't do that. And 100% by getting rid of pool and bringing in Chris Paul, you will not be seeing <laughs> what 
we just saw. So uh, again, fingers crossed, we keep Kaminga, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't even know. Like, you know, this idea of that people had of like getting uh, Siakam. I don't even know if they can get him anymore because they don't have pool. They don't, they have fewer assets, right? I don't think they're going to offload all their picks, right? The Warriors gave the uh, Wizards, what, their uh, a top 20 protected 20, 2030 pick. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. You know, it is what it is, right? They gave up a second round or two. I forgot what year, but it is what it is, you know? Um, I would have liked my buddy Aaron in Toronto was like, hey, I, w- I would have liked to have gotten Daniel Gafford, the center from Washington, but uh, that obviously didn't happen either in that deal. But um, we'll see. We'll see. All these moves are about win now and shed as much or create as much flexibility uh, beyond this season. So uh, I think with Moody and Kaminga, we'll see how they approach it. And um, yeah, fascinating stuff. Thanks, Mike Dunleavy, for making this season uh, or this week interesting so far. All right, that's all I got. All right, well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Folk Society. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time.